And so they've studied this now in high performance sports within the domain of medicine, where it's, it has to do with following different health protocols. They've studied it in schools. They've studied it in the home with parents and parenting. It's been so rigorously mm-hmm. tested and vetted. It's just, it's it's actually, it's remarkable. And, and there's just hundreds of, of full-on research projects where they've, t- you know, gone through and refined the refined the whole thing. For most of human history, people have parented the way their parents and grandparents did with culture providing the cues. We call this Parenting 1.0. For various reasons, parents began to question these approaches and we started turning more and more to so-called experts to learn to parent. This was the beginning of Parenting 2.0. This allowed for some real advances, but also a lot of confusion as we got further and further away from our natural parenting instincts. Parenting 3.0 is about reclaiming those instincts and integrating them with our current understanding of child development. It brings together the wisdom of the past with the best scientific and psychological research of the present. Parenting 3.0 isn't a fad or a quick fix. It's a set of principles that allows us to engage with our kids and life from an informed and empowered place. I'm Jai Flicker. And I'm Deb Blum. Welcome Welcome to to Parenting Parenting 3.0. Welcome back, everybody. We're so glad you're with us today when we talk about something called self-determination theory. You might see it as SDT, and it's a theory that gets down to three primary needs that all of us have. And so, Jai, you want to get us started with it? Sure. Jai's going to be humble, that he, <laughs> but, but the truth is Jai does, knows this in a depth that I think most people don't know. And, uh, and it's exciting because, you know, the way I look at it for you is that I feel like um, that when I first heard about self-determination theory and I went online and I looked it up on YouTube and I watched a couple of videos, it just seemed so simple to me. I was like, oh, yeah, these are the three needs. Like, you know, uh, oh, of course. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And then as I have worked with you, whether it be in parent groups or just in discussions that we've had, I cannot believe how nuanced it is and how much there is to learn about it yeah. and how much the more that I learn about it, the the better I get at, at sort of bringing it into my parenting and in my own personal, my own personal um, experience. So, yeah, yeah, it is sort of deceptively simple and, 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 and that can be good and bad. I think it's good because it's sort of like, very digestible there are these three fundamental human needs psychological needs that they've identified over the past 40 years of research and um, these three needs are um, really things that you know when we get them met we thrive and when we when they go unmet we we languish and and so it's really helpful to know what they are so we can focus our energies in terms of our own lives and in terms of supporting our kids. Um, and what those three needs are, are relatedness, autonomy, and competence. 
And we're going to explore what these are throughout this episode. We're going to understand how to look at them in our own lives and in our children's lives. And, and that, that's been so useful for me, and I hope it will be for you too. But before I dive into the definitions of each of these uh, three core needs, I just want to talk a bit about why. Why is this useful and why is it important? And it turns out that the theory itself answers this question. And basically, it's helpful to know that, that self-determination theory is, is a, it's a theory both of motivation and of well-being. And, and it turns out that those two things go hand in hand. So when we're more motivated, we feel better about ourselves, about life in general. And when we feel good, when we not just feel good, but when we're feeling, when we have a high state of well-being, we're naturally more motivated. So those two things go together. There's a sense uh, with motivation that that is is a subjective experience of vitality. And so, you know, when it turns out that when we get our needs met, um our vitality goes up, our sense of will, uh, well-being goes up, and our, abil- our both our capacity for motivation and our actual amount of motivation goes up as well. So those they're all tethered. And, and conversely, and this is what makes these three needs needs, is that if we don't get them met, it's sort of like going without certain vitamins or nutrients we actually it's not just that we um you know are better off when we have them but you know oh well if we don't it's our actual well-being goes down um when these needs are not getting met um and and what that actually looks like is um increased levels of anxiety increased levels of depression and um lower levels of self-esteem so and and it kind of makes sense because if you think about on the one side when they are getting met if we're feeling motivated and and full of vitality and if you remove those things and take them into the negative it's like we're feeling uh depressed and low energy and um generally even apathetic on the far end of the spectrum and if you think about the spectrum of well-being when that gets reduced, we instead of feeling safe and confident and and positive, we're going to start to feel more worried, more pessimistic, more negative, and and less safe. So um, so that's where the anxiety part comes in. So 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 now I'm just going to talk a little bit about each of these three needs, and then we can explore them a bit. Um, I like to start with relatedness because I am coming from this attachment background. And if you, if you haven't listened to our four part series on attachment, um, I would invite you to do so. It, it kind of really helps explain the relatedness part of this self-determination theory. In fact, when in the literature, when, when they talk about relatedness they 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 reference attachment theory because attachment theory is really the science of 
relating uh, from 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 birth on. Um, but so and and so um, because we have talked a lot about that in the past about attachment theory, and because it's also probably the most intuitive, um, familiar idea that we 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 need to feel connected to others and we need to feel a sense of belonging we need to have people that we care about and who we feel care about us um it, there's not as i don't i don't feel as like i need to say as much about that um i definitely feel like i need to articulate autonomy though because autonomy is um we might have a sense of it but it is um, probably the least intuitive of the three. And in what it really comes down to, what autonomy really is, is whether or not we feel we are in alignment with ourselves. Auto means self, of course. And so autonomy is, are we able, do we feel able to follow our own path in life? are we are we able to make choices that we feel we're really behind or on the other hand are we feeling compelled by external forces or or internal forces for that matter to make choices that we don't feel good about that we're in conflict with ourselves about when we make a choice do we actually can we get behind it fully or not so autonomy the opposite of autonomy is is feeling controlled feeling uh coerced the one caveat that's uh, that that in the literature the the researchers always uh, bring up it's not a caveat it's a it's a it's a distinction uh is that autonomy is not the same construct as independence and this is this is super important because um, even even within some of the s- sort of psychological literature out there, these two ideas are conflated. And the difference is that independence is about doing doing things alone. Just leave me alone. I want to be independent. Don't interfere with me. And and the interference that 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 the reason why they're they get conflated is that if somebody's interfering with you and you don't like it one reaction is to say back off just leave me alone and that would be independence but autonomy does not require that separation if it did it it would actually run counter to the first need for relatedness right so it would be like i can be related but as soon as i want to make my own decisions i have to be separate and autonomous but that's not the case that's independence you can you can be fully relating to others and if those people if those people that you're relating to are supporting your choices supporting your your autonomy then you can make your own decisions while staying in in relationship with them. And so this is a really important distinction and we'll talk more about it later, but but I it's always important to make that distinction right away because those two ideas are so commonly confused. So um so yeah, so that's that's autonomy. And the final fundamental human need is competence. 
and um, competence again is more intuitive fortunately and um, and competence has to do with simply feeling good at what we're doing when we're engaged in an activity are we is it is it making sense to us are we are we experiencing success with it or not and um, and competence is um, our relationship to the world around us our autonomy is our relationship to ourself okay this is this is one way that I kind of have made sense of these to make it even more intuitive hopefully autonomy is our relationship to ourself relatedness is our obviously our, our way of relating to others and in competence is about our relationship with the world around us so we could think of that as self other and world autonomy relatedness and competence Now we, we just explained there are these three psychological needs and in some ways just created a little bit of context for how they show up in life. But even more important to me, I think, was the validation of self-determination theory being so universal. Mm. And maybe would you mind just sharing like what you know about why, um, why this theory is valid? Just yeah, why it's so yeah. valid. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, so there's sort of two ways to get at this. It's, um, you know, this this is a theory that's been developed and refined over the past 40 years. So if you imagine, and there's, there's really two researchers, um, Richard Ryan and Edward Deasy, and they came up with this together. And if you imagine taking two very brilliant people working together for four decades on something, you're gonna figure out a lot, right? And they have, um, but but then at least by the year 2000, you know, about, tw- about the halfway point, there were dozens and dozens of additional researchers who maybe were students of theirs or who were other researchers who found their work, who were validating and testing and, mm-hmm. and expanding their theory in um, different settings. And the amazing thing is they've, they really held a very high bar for what would qualify as a fundamental human psychological need. And they kind of compared it to biological needs. It's like, um, there's lots of things that we would really enjoy and there's and 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 appreciate having, but there are some biological needs. Like we need to breathe. We need um, f- food, and we need to be sort of sheltered within a certain range of temperature. I mean, there's these needs that when we get them, it gives us the chance to thrive. and when we don't get them, it can lead to harm or death. So that's one thing. They also thought, oh, if it's really a human need, it's not going to just apply to any one country or one type of person mm-hmm. or any one age group or any one gender. Um, it's going to apply to everyone in all settings. And so they've studied this now in 
you know, high performance sports with pro athletes and, and they've studied it with in the domain of medicine where it's, it has to do with um, following different health protocols. They've studied it in schools. They've studied it in the home with parents and parenting. It's been so rigorously Mm-hmm. tested and vetted it's just it's it's actually it's remarkable and and there's just hundreds of of full-on research projects where they've t- you know gone through and refined the refined the whole thing so so that's one part of it and then in my own life it also had an intuitive resonance with me where i go oh wow this really makes a lot of sense but right. then when i would go in and actually work with students or 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 address my child my own child through this lens i always have felt more effective Mm -hmm. and and i've seen better positive outcomes and felt more competent myself in in working with and supporting Mm -hmm. others so yeah so there so there. Yeah. But yeah. It, and it is important to know that because I think one of the things that we're so committed to is not just presenting to people this, you know, like some kind of idea or strategy, but something that really has been tested and vetted and that really does cross over that it would be really hard for anyone to come back and say, hey, that just doesn't, it's just not relevant to me I just don't need autonomy you know like that we we can feel confident that our children all children all adults all human beings have these three psychological needs and it also keeps it more simple like I think sometimes it's so easy to get up get you know into our heads about all the needs that everybody you know kind of we think we have and um, that they can like even need for say like affection and attention fall under relatedness right. you know so it, it's just sometimes it's hard to manage all of the things i think in parenting that we feel like we have to do so the more we can just keep it keep it more simplified mm-hmm. i think it helps yeah in, in, in any theoretical framework is is really a map right it's it functions as a map and the different maps have different zoom levels right and and depending on what you're trying to do zooming in or zooming out can be more relevant right and so this the three buckets the three fundamental psychological human needs is a is is a fairly high level of zoom you're 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 kind of zoomed out it's not Mm -hmm. prescriptive it's it's not giving you like some very specific parenting strategy it's it's saying hey these are our fundamental human needs and and no, to me, just knowing that alone is super helpful. And then we can zoom into each of them and yeah. zoom in again and zoom in again and get more and more um, specific about how to, which, where to turn left and where to turn right. But, but like for me, sometimes I'll just ask parents or, or students um, to rate, rate their three needs on a scale of one to 10, just kind of a general, it it doesn't have to be like, you know, this is not a, it's more of a a gist. It's a feeling. And it's like, okay, on a scale of one to 10, how well are your need, is your need for relatedness being met right now? You know, if you just think about all your relationships, your, your friends, your family, your, um, coworkers, your peers, um, where would you rank that right so you could think okay well 
you know, and I've heard people say all kinds of things. Some people will be like, God, I'm, I'm really like a nine, uh, maybe a 10, nine, nine, 10. I've heard other people just be like, um, I'm probably more like a five right now, you know, or a four or five, you know? Mm. Um, fortunately I haven't ever heard anyone say I'm a one in the relatedness, mm. but you know, it's, it, that could happen if you're just absolutely feeling totally isolated or feeling mm. really kind of not connected. Um, and then going to the next one and saying, well, what about autonomy? How, mm, how controlled and f- coerced in my life do I feel? How much do I feel like I'm just being forced to do things? And how much do I feel like I get to, I'm, um, I'm living a life that I, that I feel like I can, I'm not in conflict about that. I feel good about for myself. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, people think about it and they'll have a sense of it. And then of course the last one is competence and, um, and, um, and I've heard some people like be really high in the first two and then come to competence and then go, I'm like a three right now. Mm. I'm really struggling. And, and it's like, okay, well, that's obviously what the, the area of your life that's needing some attention right now. Mm-hmm. And just, I think, identifying that doesn't immediately solve the problem, but I think it does help identify how to direct one's energy. Because if you're just feeling bad, it can sometimes we can just try to make ourselves feel better not and that might not actually address the the root of the problem yeah so so i think looking at this um this framework for our own selves is so helpful frankly as i have uh, once i identified or once these three needs were pointed out for me and i focused on really kind of attending to each of them my overall sense of well-being has just like the theory predicts, gone way up. Mm-hmm. Signif- like significant, like my, my, and I was kind of skeptical at first. I'm like, how do you really measure well-being? And, and they kind of talk about it. It's like a subjective sense of vitality, mm-hmm. a subjective sense of positive affect and, and just like satisfaction. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's, it really has had that effect on me. And it's, helpful so so i think starting with ourselves to kind of both increase our well-being but also to learn about how these different needs operate is helpful and then um and then looking at how these needs are being met or going unmet in our in our kids is really helpful really helpful yeah i would say i would um I would say that's the same for me, that the more that I pay attention to these three needs, there's no question. I mean, I had been working on some of them without knowing I was working on them. Like autonomy had been something that I was really working on, and I didn't know that I was working on it, you know, in this, it wasn't this framework that I was using. But when I look back and I look at times when I didn't feel as autonomous, and now that I do feel more autonomous, that I feel like it's been um, such an, an important element Uh to my well-being. But I also want to say that what I hear you saying and I think is important just to it's sort of Im- implied but it seems important it's just that the three do work in concert. So it isn't really like oh well if you're doing well in one and then not so great in the others that they somehow make up for each other. They really don't and that's important, I think. You know, it's just important because it's so easy to we're just so busy. You know, and it's so easy to just be like, well, I'm doing really great in two. Isn't that enough? (laughs) (laughs) And really, if you if it's if you're really making a commitment 
to thriving, to your well-being, you know, then it would be no, actually, two isn't enough. You know, yeah, if and you're really... if you're feeling like not really satisfied or happy, then you, you yeah, then you have to attend all three. Yeah, their needs, their, their actual needs. needs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's great. So um, I think is this a good time to wrap up, and then we'll. We'll I mean, there's so much more. It's hard to wrap up, but I yeah, know. I think let's maybe leave it at this for now, and um, we'll come back next time and talk much more about motivation. Um, and because it it is it is related to this vitality. The vitality. It's like when our well being goes up and our vitality goes up, we actually have more energy to do things and that's why mm. it, it, it that is really motivation it's not just willing ourselves to do things right. which is so so what i what i've come to and maybe this is a good teaser is like i think almost nobody actually has a clue or even a faint sense of how motivation actually works I don't I think people I don't I don't think most people have this slightest idea and I kind of didn't either the, the the prevailing view of motivation is so off and so oversimplified and so wrong that it leads to all sorts of confusion and difficulty and and this this is like by far the most comprehensive most nuanced most sophisticated most helpful most illuminating view or understanding or description of motivation and how it actually works that I have ever come across and I cannot wait to share all about it. <laughs> that is quite an endorsement. Yeah. Well, I hope so this is my goal for you. I just want yeah. I'm going to set the bar really high Please. because my hope is by the end of that that all of us will feel like we understand how to be motivated to go to the gym and motivated to eat healthy. Oh boy. Okay? Oh so that's boy. it. Your, that's so your bar is very high. <laughs> okay, that's what I want. But <laughs> but I think that's great. And I, I, I'm with you. The more that I understand it, and I, I feel like I'm excited to learn more from you because I'm just, I'm, I've been deepening my learning of motivation. I am so impressed by how little I knew about motivation. Yeah. So it's very exciting. That's yeah. That one is it, it's shocking. Well, so part two is motivation. Yes. Next time. Yeah. So today we're wrapping it up. So thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening, and um, please share and uh, and rate and review. We would just love to hear more specifics about what's working for you, what else you'd like to learn about, and always feel free to put in the in the reviews even or email us something that you some specific thing that you're going through and we'd love to bring it into our our um, episodes yeah all right thanks so much see you next time